and welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm your host, Jamie Spicer, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Jennifer Spicer. And I'm about to geek out today because we're <laughs> on some stuff that I just right in my backyard. And we're going to talk today about a CGM, which is called the Constant Glucose Monitoring System. Yep. Um, I love it because this really dials in on your nutrition, but... You know, I'm going to really, I'm going to piss some people off with this one, but just, you know what, it, it, it just, again, supports my, my theory that I've had for years that jumping into a macro plan ain't the way to go. Well, first I want to give credit where credit is due. Dr. Rebecca Rodriguez, our medical director, and if you haven't listened to the podcast that we did together with her, please go listen to it because she's amazing. But she called it in because I was feeling a little off, you know, hormonally and like just having some symptoms and she loved hers. And so we decided to try it and it instantly became a competition between me and you. Right. <laughs> it has been because every, every morning, every all day long, what's your glucose at? What's your glucose at? Like, what'd you wake up? Where are you going to bed? <laughs> what did the potato get you to? What did the rice get you to? Like, what did the oatmeal get you to? It's We are very competitive. <laughs> highly, highly competitive. But, again, you know, like I said, it's... I love it because I get to geek out. I get to... I think, for me, what it's done is really pushed through... That's not my theories on things, but now I have actual data to back up my theories. Right. I yeah, and I also feel like it's been eye opening for both of us. You know, you know, I I don't want to speak for you, but there are times where I'm like, wow, it, it's worse than I thought, or better than I right. thought, but most of the time it's right. worse. So you know, we were at that A4M in Colorado, and again, something they had said that I've been talking about forever with my clients is, you know, we have I haven't use and i know a lot of people in nutrition they're very good at what they do have not used the energy expenditure model for a while which means the calorie in calorie out model right i have always looked at it as what's the carb sensitivity model like are you are you insulin sensitive or are you insulin resistant mm -hmm. because if you're insulin resistant we have to get you out of that first and foremost that just no no question about it um we need to get you insulin sensitive that way your body's actually utilizing um, the energy sources it needs and it's not storing it or at least basically you're not slow right so you're a bomb fire not a not a drowning out fire yeah and I want I'm pulling up um, just so I don't misspeak because I can't keep lab value ranges in my head when you get your blood work done and you see your insulin on a range of 2.6 to 24.9 and you're in that range, you think, oh great, I'm in that range. Actually, Jamie's the one that educated me because school didn't educate me with this. You actually have to be at an insulin of less than eight. You so ideally, you have to be under twelve, or you won't burn. You won't burn. You know, you can live on the treadmill, three hours a day. You can work out. You can you can eat a no carb diet. But until you get that insulin under twelve, you're not going to burn fat. Ideally, in today's society, if I can get someone between six and eight, we're doing good. If you're someone who wants to get to a more extreme um, lean, lean factors, like a bodybuilder or something like that, or just that's how you want to look all the time, it has to be under six. I've actually had some of my competitors all the way down to two. They actually went to another doctor. They saw that insulin of two, and they immediately started checking her pulse 
asking her questions if she felt lightheaded, dizzy, if she felt okay. She's like, I feel great. Why are you asking this? He goes, what about when you work out? Are you getting lightheaded and dizzy? She's like, no, I'm actually very strong in my workouts. He goes, she goes, why? He goes, I, you have an insulin of two that just concerns me. She's like, doc, I hate to tell you, but I'm eating 220 grams of carbs a day. Well, she was a fat burning machine. And, and the other thing is, is you can't just look at insulin. You have to look at glucose and A1C. Right. And so an A1C is a three month average of, a two to three month average of your blood sugar. There's also triglycerides and things to look at there. But just so people understand, when you eat carbs, you're going to have a spike in glucose, which then is going to equate to higher insulin. That's how it goes. Yeah. And when insulin is high, you cannot burn fat. Additionally, when you when you eat more sugary foods, it triggers the reward system in your brain. So therefore, once you kind of start, if you've noticed, you can't really stop because that is releasing dopamine and other things in that reward system. So then you actually are more predisposed to continue to eat poorly for that right. day. So let's talk about that. You brought up a good point. When you eat carbs, ideally, when we eat carbs, we want to see that number under 150. Ideally, again, me being optimizing people, I like to see that under 120. Me being a perfectionist when it comes to me and you, I like to see that around 90 to 100, absolutely under 110. I was gonna say, I think it's really hard to stay under 110, 115 post-carbohydrate meal. The other thing that I don't think people realize and what you've, and you, you have, I know what you think, but you've also taught me sometimes consuming too much protein will end up current turning into glucose right you basically what you can do is you can train your body to utilize protein as energy versus carbohydrates you know, your body if you do not have enough glucose available and if you are low in fat which is why in a ketogenic diet you you dramatically increase your your fat intake like you go to like 50 to 60 percent fats instead of um 20 to 25 percent fats so like you're going way up there but yeah when neither glucose nor fat is present, then you're, you're, you're training your body to convert protein into glu glucogen for the glucose the body needs to do whatever it is. So you're basically robbing your muscle of muscle glycogen, so you're deteriorating away. Well, and so now I'm thinking of three different points that you've always said. You know, you brought up the first one, um, you know, that if it fits your macros doesn't work and all of that stuff. But the second one I wanted to say is, you know, if you don't understand your bio individuality or you're starving yourself or you're going ketogenic all the time and you're not giving your body time to replenish, your body is smarter than you and it will make glucose or glycogen by uh, way of the liver. It will 100% figure that out because your body's always going to make sure that you're, you stay at a certain level. Once you start to drop below a certain level of blood sugar, it's actually just as detrimental as going too high. Right, and here's another one that's that's out there right? um, that I was great to hear at this late, latest age management conference we're at was, you know, I've always kind of based all of my clients' um, protein off of 1.25 to 1.5 grams of their lean body mass, right? And now you go out here and, and now they're saying that you can go anywhere from 1.5 up to two grams per body, per body weight, mm -hmm. especially, here's one for you, and the older generation. Well, okay, so yes, because once, okay, it's twofold. If you have a low GFR or poor kidney function, I understand why people need to watch protein, but that's still different than what they've always said. Correct, you know, it was always based on 0.8 kilograms per mm -hmm. weight. Now, I remember getting an argument with an endocrinologist intern one time that I was doing my 1.25 per, 
per lean body weight versus my 0.8 per pound of my total weight. And we're within like 20 to 30 grams. And she was trying to say that that's why my BUN and creatinine numbers were um, <laughs> elevated up a little bit. I'm and actually, <laughs> it was a dehydration and the fact I'm 250 pounds with a low body fat and carry a lot of muscle mass. The endocrinologist even walked in and stated like, look at that guy. He's what, 240? I said, 250. He goes, how many days you work out? At that point in time, I was working out six days a week. He's like, he's never going to be your normal person. So. I was keeping my mouth shut now and I just laughed. I was like, I'm not going to get involved right. here. Right. But, um, and I don't want to ruin your train of thought if you're about to. Nope. The other thing that this has taught us is how we utilize our calories is more important than what the scale says and everything else. 100%. So I want to dive into the part where I'd opened up with how I'm really going to piss off these macro people. All right. For me, there's always a phase to get from phase one to phase two to phase three. Now me, you can get to phase three, which would be macros, after you have done your due diligence to mm -hmm. figure out, you know, food sensitivity issues, repairing gut biome and gut health. Those things have to be accomplished first and foremost, because, yeah. you know, look at a sweet potato. Sweet potato is extremely healthy, but if that person has a food intolerance to that, then you just can't macro swap 30 grams of rice or 30 grams of sweet potato because that person who has that sweet potato intolerance is now going to be the one complaining of bloating, gas, constipation, and feeling even worse now that you've tried to clean up their diet. Here's where I love where the CGM steps into. What if that, what if that person also spikes into the 180s because of the sweet potato, but they stay, under the, stay in the 140s with the rice? then you now identify the fact that, yeah, yeah, you can do a sweet potato, but now we have to look at when are you going to time that sweet potato? Where are you going to use it post-workout when you need that, that glycogen readily available? Or when do, you, when do you use it? Is that a rotational carb? Or, you know, and what you would kind of do with that is make sure that you have some fat with that meal and have protein with that meal. You can slow down that absorption with it a little bit. Um, or you're just going to have to decrease the serving size if you go from five ounces down to three ounces and increase the fat uptake to on it and that will that will lower that number down but again we're getting back into just jumping into macros without identifying the foods that work best with your body and now with the glucose uh glucose constant monitoring system identifying the carbs that keep your insulin levels low like a little little rolling wave versus spiking like tidal waves then you're then you're not then you're not going to get the results that you want out of macros well, and yeah, and so you, you touched on something. So I want to kind of back up because this is going to be extremely overwhelming. I think this is only going to be, we're going to just touch the surface here. We're going to do a, a few episodes go, getting into this because I really hope that we end up partnering with this one continuous glucose monitoring system because yep. they actually track a whole bunch of variables. And so the first variable, understanding yourself, and it can change and it can evolve over time. Females, it can even change depending on where you are in your cycle, what your body's needing from you is in the way of glucose and glycogen and insulin. So bio-individuality is key. Everybody responds differently to different foods. You can have two equally glycemic um, foods, like either, you know, fast or slow, you know, they could be the same. So like right. you take, you know, so you can you can take a look at a sweet potato versus like a oh, red potato or right, a baked potato. Right, and then you know one, and we both already know this. 
I have an issue with white potatoes. Never thought that I did. I felt good on them. They make me spike. They do not make Jamie spike. However, the sweet potato kept me underneath 100, you know, right after I ate it. But that's based on your bio gut microbiome. Yeah. If you have candida going on, if you've got other things SIBO, going on, SIBO. you've got to clean that up. And as you clean that up, you might be less sensitive to certain 100%. Not just in the, the food sensitivity, food sensitivity side of it. Mm -hmm. God, say that. Food sensitivity, mm -hmm. sensitivity, oh, I can't talk. Food sensitive side of it, right. <laughs> food sensitive side of that but also the glucose spiking of that food once you've corrected gut biome and gut health. And then also, like I said, that could change. So, you know, okay, say the gut microbiome's healed, but then say one day you're just really, really unstable. And it, like he said, you really wanna be mostly level. You don't want large dips and spikes. You don't want it to be like this because as you've also taught me, when insulin is going up and down, it's a direct pathway to estrogen. There's a whole other slew of issues that happen there. But did you sleep well? Are you stressed out? If right. you're stressed, like, do you need to actually, like, if your glucose is up, do you need to go work out? Or do you need to sit and meditate and calm yourself down? Because those two are interchangeable. And what I love about having this continuous glucose system is I can actually then see, is it um, appropriate for me to do more of a hit style cardio today or low intensity fasted um, style cardio today? Because yeah. if I am already waking up because I didn't sleep well or I was stressed out and I'm already high, going balls to the wall is actually going to cause me more harm than good. Yes, absolutely. 100% so. correct on that. You know, and that's another thing. This is a little th thing that, you know, I learned from prepping people for so many years, but you know, I, I, it's called front loading or back loading in the bodybuilding world. So if we front load a client that we start heavily on carbohydrates um, on Saturday, and then we tear that down as they get closer to the show the following Saturday. Mm -hmm or uh, that's front loading. So back loading is you back load them either on Thursday or Friday, maybe even Wednesday night, starting Thursday, then Friday, but you back load them or a rapid back load would be only on Friday. And you feed them a lot um, before the show. And then the day of show, they don't require a lot of food because you want to keep the, the, the waistline small because you don't want to add bulk to the, to the GI. Now, Everybody's like, well, I need, I need to fill out. I need to do this. Well, we hold three to 500 grams of glucose in the liver anyway. So I have found it very interesting that when I wake up and I'll wake up, say around 87, maybe 97, and I get up, go to the bathroom, I take a shower and do everything. And next thing you know, I'm like 117. Mm -hmm. Because what happened? Those carbohydrates from the night before or the day before are now up and moving around in the system. So that's something we do at least I do with my clients, especially on the day of the show, is I will feed them, I'll make them wait 30 to 45 minutes, I make them get up and move around for about 10 minutes. Maybe it's doing some posing, maybe it's doing some body weight exercises, maybe it's just walking up and down some stairs, but I just wanna see those carbs moving around to see how they look before I make the decision to feed them again, which goes back to the point, if you're just the general person, you wake up and you're in the 117s and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that's a trigger that maybe you just, maybe you're gonna fast a little bit longer that day. Mm -hmm. Or with some clients that I know that wake up really hungry and they can't wait, and I'll just feed them protein and fats for the morning. Maybe I'll just give them some whole eggs with some turkey bacon and no carbs until that number comes back down. And that, it, and it's, I've actually been on the side of that where like, you know, and, and I can feel it. And when you are that lean and, and someone's competing, it's really cool because you can really, like you can see the body and feel the body. Like even myself, like I could 
feel what worked and what didn't work. And right. I can tell you what nerves, um, like the, you know, stress, adrenaline via norepinephrine, what nerves started to do to me and how it created more blood sugar coming out of me yes. because I was stressed out. And you had me walk it off and calm down and like not, you didn't add any more fuel to the fire. We didn't add any more glucose nope. to that because I already had my own going. Yep. And that's the biggest thing, you know, your body will, like I said, your body stores glycogen because it's always going to have, you know, a backup mechanism to save you because if it gets too low, it is, it, it is deadly. But why stability is key is because it means that your body is correcting the relationship between insulin and glucagon. And a lot of people don't realize that when glucagon is really good, it will actually stimulate lipase, which actually breaks down yeah, fat. Correct. So like keeping that level level is what is going to make you burn fat. Well, and you go back to what you had said earlier about the pathway, you know, anytime that insulin is present, you won't burn fat. Right. So the harder that you spike insulin, the less likely you are to be burning fat. Again, that's why you want little rolling, little rolling waves of, of, of insulin versus tidal waves of insulin, right? Mm -hmm. And then like you had said, that pathway of insulin um, to estrogen pathway, you know, you can make yourself estrogen dominant at that point if you're constantly just pounding away sugar and, and alcohol and everything else. Well, that's why, and that's why they say, you know, I know, especially for menopausal women, um, you know, where the estrogen and the hormones are just getting all out of whack, but especially in women, because we have more estrogen than men anyway, Alcohol is extremely bad because it's going to make more estrogen. I mean, I'm not saying that I never don't drink. I do, right. but you know, it's, you know, are you drinking in to your point that you brought up, like making sure that you have carbohydrates with something to slow down that insulin spike is key. You know, don't just eat an apple, eat an apple with a handful of nuts, eat an apple with, you know, some yogurt or something like that, depending on what works for you. But the other thing that I just learned, cause I'm talking to this lovely woman named Carol, who's a a pharmacist out of Canada who we met at the conference yes. and she's teaching me about the importance of progesterone and I don't know if there's science behind this and I'll dig into it and we'll talk about it later but you know with backed up science she was saying that one of um, someone that she spoke to had a continuous glucose monitor on and when she had a hot flash in the middle of the night her blood sugar bottomed out to below 60 right. and every time that you go low like that you're actually causing more stress on the body which which is negatively affecting the adrenals Something else I just learned is that progesterone will sh shunt back and forth between a sex hormone and a stress hormone. So if you're constantly stressed, and like what we, you, we also learned, when you're overtraining or you're an athlete and your body is chronically in a state of stress, you're depleting yourself of progesterone. And I think right. that might be a, something that we need to look at. You 100%. Know? You know, and there's another thing with alcohol. Anytime that alcohol is present, it becomes your body's main source of fuel. Mm -hmm. So... Any carbohydrates, carbohydrates or fats that you're bringing in are going to be stored because your body's not going to use that because its preferred source of energy is alcohol at that time. So a trick for that I tell our clients is if you're going to have a few drinks, whether it's one, two, or three, you know, what the ideally is, is you basically stick to um, protein and, and veggies or like protein and a salad. So mm -hmm. like tonight, if, you know, going to Capitol, if we wanted to have a glass or two of wine, then... We'd have like cocktail shrimp as an appetizer. We'd have a house salad, and then we'd uh, both get a steak with some with like asparagus. Right, and yeah. and honestly, maybe we should try have a drink and see how terrible it is on the glucose monitor, and right. so we won't do it anymore. <laughs> um, you know, because it is, it is something that is it really worth ruining? You know, everything that you've done all week or saving it. And the one thing that I remember learning in school was, it takes more. 
it, 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 it takes more out of your body to break down fat. You actually have more energy per molecule of fat than you do carbohydrate, but your body has to go through more work to do that. Correct. So it's going to want to store the glycogen because it's easier. Your brain doesn't want to work. It doesn't want to have to do it, or your body should say, it right. doesn't want to have to do it like it that. It just wants the energy. Yeah, it just wants the energy as easily as possible. And the one thing that I've really thought about when now that we've had this glucose monitor on is, you know, your nutrition and weight weight loss or weight loss journey or, or weight gain journey is science and all science has to be backed up with data and if you don't have your own personalized data then you're just going in blind so it's really a good idea to understand like you know i know that you work with everybody individual individually and that's why every meal plan is 100 percent custom it has to be and you're looking at you know the gut microbiome the hormones i mean even we've learned like i said you know when a female's on her cycle, she needs more carbohydrates. You know, you could actually shift, and actually, when a female's ovulating, it also changes. But weight—I'm um, sorry—glucose and glucose sensitivity are resistant. 100% changes in relation to hormones. So it's really kind of cool to see when I might need more or less or something like uh, that. Absolutely, and you know, kind of dive in on that. You know, let's just say you had 10 people that all needed to be on a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. Not all, pe all 10 people are going to be able to eat the same food because certain people are going to have food intolerances that the others doesn't. And that's just the way it's going to be. So going back to and kind of repeating myself with that again, for those out there preaching and talking macros, 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 and if you are working with a macro person, did they go through a phase where they elim did a, an elimination phase to figure out what foods worked with you best even getting all the way into what we do is food pairing, mm -hmm. which foods pair best with you the best. You know, maybe a steak and a sweet potato works best for you versus a mm -hmm. steak and a baked potato. Mm -hmm. The red meat's still there, but the carb source changes because you can monitor that through this glucose monitor on what it does. So food pairing is important. Food sourcing is important. And timing of when you do the food can be important, especially when you're trying to get to extreme body composition or if you're training for specific things. Again, we, we get a bit into like carbohydrates, kind of talking a little off subject here, but um, fiber inhibits your body's ability to pro perform aerobically. So mm -hmm. it slows it down. Think about that if you, if anybody's ever had like a higher fiber meal, even like a banana, and then 20 minutes later or 15 minutes later, you go try to lift or you go try to go for a run. And for the first five to 10 minutes, you're belching and farting and you feel like you're a hot air balloon. It's because of the fiber content. Next thing you know, 10, 15 minutes later, it's like you come awake and you feel great. Well, because all the blood's being shunted to the center of your body for increased peristalsis of the GI tract. Correct. There yeah. you go. Medical <laughs> terms. Well, I'm spitting general regular people knowledge here. Well, and I mean, it does, it, it, you know, and it's funny. I don't mean, but no, let's talk about, about but let's talk about that banana for a second. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I was correct in what I was about to say here. But unfortunately, the other thing now, I'm going to bring it back to the aesthetics part. You really only should have, females should only have 25 grams of sugar per day, extra, extra sugar. The majority of people should only have anywhere from 20 to 30 grams of sugar in a day. Yes. I mean, men have a higher metabolic rate than women usually. Usually, yeah, when it's going to be because of testosterone mm -hmm. on a higher, higher lean body mass. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I know some females that carry way more lean body mass than the majority of these freaking males out there. And I just mm -hmm. take a look at their chest and they'll tell you everything you need to know. But well, I mean, and also, I mean, not we, the females' chest, the males' we chest. Have, we have to. 
We have to also remember that it's really important to look at the added sugars and everything because sometimes you're going to be sneaking in sugar and you don't even realize it. Like, you know, I had to start measuring my coffee creamer because I was over utilizing yep. coffee creamer. You know, just think about it, think it through. And when you eat excess sugar, not only does it cause harm in the relations that we're talking to, but it's going to further degradate collagen. Um, it actually binds to collagen and makes it like a dried up rubber band. And you bring up a really good point here on that way. Sugar alcohols, uh, as yeah. much as the FDA wants to spit that crap that it doesn't impact your insulin. It does. It does. I've said it for years. So as anybody that's as a any knowledge on nutrition will tell you, sugar alcohols, artificial sweeteners, impact insulin they do because they also impact the reward center in the brain because you're just tricking your body right. into thinking that you've had something sweet so not only is it going to make you crave more sweet things right. and uh, you know mess that all up but it's also it is still spiking right. i've said it for years that i would rather have my client drink a regular soda with real sugar than drink that diet crap with the aspartame and anything else in it so i forgot to tell you this and i'll let maybe we'll have her and him on the show but one of our team members, um, her boyfriend, he's young, he's in his 20s, was having crazy cardiac stuff going on. Crazy. It's all related to aspartame. Yep. All of it. So people don't realize aspartame turns a formaldehyde in the, within the body within three hours. They actually have proven data that the more aspartame, the, the people that drank more diet soda in the 90s needed less embalming fluid in them when they passed. Well, then maybe that I, is fat. Does that mean I need less Botox? <laughs> You're just turning yourself into just, Mickey Mouse is what's happening. I'm kidding, but <laughs> it's just more inflammation. Sugar equals inflammation. Um, inflammation causes accelerated aging. Right. Inflammation causes cancer. Cancer cannot grow in an alkaline or ketogenic environment. And actually Dr. Becky and I met last week and we were talking about patients and we have a younger patient who's dealing with some suicidal stuff. Um, he's getting the help that he needs, but he's very depressed. He's very young. He's very lean. His insulin was 46, a fasted insulin of 46. So not only is it his diet very poor, and a lot of people don't realize that 80% of your serotonin is actually in your yeah. gut. Your gut is your second brain. The yep. same fetal tissue that makes your brain makes your gut at the very same time. There are science, more and more science is coming out about that. But when you're dealing with sugar and then even though you're watching us on, you know, electronics, he's also a gamer and, you know, that gaming causes a lot of dopamine depletion. And so you're really kind of setting yourself up for failure if you're not taking care of yourself. And the one quickest way that the body will try to replenish dopamine and things like that is sugar. So if you're dealing with mental health issues, it's really important. And if you're on a ketogenic diet, there's actually white papers now that show um, people with schizophrenia have cure their episodes with a ketogenic diet 100% so for those of you wondering you can talk to your doctor you can talk to your primary they have 14-day trials that you can wear these things for um, worst case scenario go to Walgreens you can buy a glucose uh, monitor kit where you prick yourself you can prick yourself first thing in the morning in the afternoon and p.m. you can do that for about 10 to 14 days and get some data adjust your diet based on some of that stuff but again this constant glucose monitoring system is is truly impressive because it just not only is theory for people it actually brings factual data to the table to support the theories and so we're not delusional we're not misguided we're not making crap up it is fact 
Well, and like you said, it's your own personalized data and you can honestly, like we were only gonna do it for 30 days. I'm not sure I'm gonna quit after 30 days. I wanna keep going. And I really do hope that we get to try this other brand too, because I wanna track some other things. But you know, it's really important to take care of yourself. You only have one body and I wanna just make sure you know, we've talked about a lot of different things, like even with the mental health stuff, I'm not saying just go ahead and go on a ketogenic diet and stop any medication that you might be on. Please do that in, you know, conjunction with the help of a medical professional and a psychiatrist and people that can help you. But also remember that you can take control of your health back by just taking care of yourself and making sure that you research what you put in your body read the labels make sure like even ketchup has sugar in it so make sure that you're reading the labels make sure that you're feeding your body what it needs make sure you're getting the sleep and you're de-stressing and you're taking time away to detox from anything that's unhealthy just like the phones and the computer and all of that right. and if you need help with the nutrition you can call us mm -hmm. 314-786-5389 you can do a consultation with myself or with hannah if you want to get in the preventative side you can set up a consultation with either rachel tracy or jen We'd love to help you. We'd love to get you under books. I have lost nine pounds in just a matter of three weeks just by monitoring the system mm -hmm. and just my just little minor tweaks to my plan. I haven't done an overhaul at all. I've just adjusted my carbs of when I timed them based on this monitoring system. I've dropped nine pounds and I would have to say part of that is inflammation, but also part of it is because I'm not spiking my insulin as high as I, as I was. And I could literally feel that when it was, but now again, it's not theory, it's factual. Well, and not only that, I also feel like, you know, there were times that we thought we were hungry and we were really thirsty right. or times that we, you know, just needed to chill out. Like it's, it's, it's opened a window, just you breathe. know, yeah, just to, to really help. And I mean, I was hitting it pretty hard and it was, it was getting frustrating and now it has completely changed. And I, I like that because it's making me accountable. And I feel like when you have something that can help you measure you actually adhere to whatever plan that you're doing much easier. Right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Younger by the Minute on the constant glucose monitoring system. Again, we always hope that you walk away with some learning tips. Again, um, I'm Jamie Spicer. I'm Jennifer Spicer. And, you know, if you have any other questions, please feel free to reach out. We'll leave our email so we can answer any questions that you might have. We can. We are going to do another episode in regards to blood sugar, and we're going to do one, the skinny on the skinny shot, yep. and talking about you know some ways that you can help your body, you know, with metabolic syndrome and just optimizing your blood sugar and over, your overall health. So thank you for listening. And for those that want to hear, it's Jamie at PrecisionLife.io or Jennifer at PrecisionLife.io. Yes. Till the next time. Thank you for listening. And remember, this is the only place that you can listen to to look younger and feel younger by the minute. Just by listening. <laughs>